You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. The following takes place between 11.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. Events happen in real time. Tech Fan Podcast 167, Tim Robertson, David Cohen. We're going to talk about the new Amazon Fire Phone. Ooh, fire. And Tim has a new toy, the Retron 5. And it is tech fan number 167. I'm Tim Robertson, joined on the road in his car, pulled over somewhere, is David Cohen. <laughs> Hello. So you're on your iPad in your car. Yeah, talking through a MiFi as well. <laughs> it's kind of kind of crazy. Pulled yeah, up is. in a shopping mall uh, parking lot. I apologize for uh, any uh, coughing that you may hear or sniffling or clearing of the throat. I've had a cold for a week. It's not fun. We have all this modern, modern technology. We still can't fix a cold. You know, I know exactly where it came from. My uh, son had a field day, which is basically uh, the kids get to go outside and do some games. The whole mm-hmm. school. And I was there as kind of a chaperone. And, uh, you know, I was exposed to literally hundreds and hundreds of little kids. And the very next That'll day, I'm completely stuffed up, coughing congested just blah but i'm on the back end of it now so that's good good glad to hear it <laughs> but you see it's that right there that gets me. Oh. so david it's been a pretty fun week uh in technology for me personally and for the internets uh on the internet side amazon released a brand new phone and uh it is called the amazon fire phone which is kind of a dumb name, but whatever. Um, what do you think, man? It's it's $199 huh. for a 32 gig under contract only through AT&T in the U.S. right now. Yeah, I, I obviously it's on the U.S., so I've not seen it. Um, I, I was a bit underwhelmed, to be honest. Yeah. It, it was, it, it's kind of those, one of those why did they bother type products for me. It's just another um, uh, segmenting well, the Android operating system. Yeah, I mean, it's got this supposedly amazing face tracking feature, which nothing I've seen really explains what the why that's a killer killer feature. Right. I mean, it can it can kind of slide the slide the 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 um, picture or the interface on the phone around a bit, which, which I suppose is fine. But the iPhone does that already without having four cameras. Right. Um, apparently, you can do some sort of tilting gestures or anything. All of it sounds a little bit gimmicky. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I saw the keynote and it reminded me of that thing they did with the drone last year. It was like, well, yeah, kind of some cool ideas, but where's the substance? Exactly. And and that, that's kind of how it came across to me. And I think people were expecting something at the lower end pricing-wise. It's competing directly with all the top-end phones. Which and, I don't understand uh, at all. I mean, no, I it, Amazon's whole thing was to get it to people cheap, and then you make your money... In the ecosystem, buying uh-huh. Amazon products, you're a member of Prime, so you can watch a lot of videos and stuff like that on it. But I, I don't. They are definitely pricing it right next to the iPhone, right next to the and HTC. Yeah, one. I, I. It just seems to be, and the fact that they've done that as well, again, came across to me like, well, we're just throwing things at the wall here to see whether it's a good idea, rather than having a real strategic goal in mind it, it seems like um, amazon's just trying to become the next apple in hardware i mean the fire tv uh, the fires themselves now the fire phone I, I don't i i admire what they're trying to do but they're not doing anything either original and they're not building their own software platform their own operating systems they're they're using google stuff well they would argue that they are because they're um they're using Android as a base, but actually what you see is nothing like Android and doesn't use the Google services. And, and that's a fine strategy. I don't have a problem with that. I think um, 
it's good that it's just not another Android phone. The fact that it that it is trying to do something different, and again, you know, some of the some of the things they're trying to do this this uh, what's it called Fusion yep. uh, app that they've got in it that apparently can very quickly identify things by by what shoving them in front of the cam yeah by shoving them in front of the camera, identifying them, and then offering them you through Amazon. That's fine, but you know, I'd want to see how that works in practice. And and again, it's. I, I I can't see people. Well, a I can't see people spending a lot of time going around shops just looking at things with a phone and then buying them off Amazon. I think most most of the time, if you if you're in a store and you want to buy something, it's because it's right in front of you. Or unless it's it's if it's an expensive item, sure. But yeah, but yeah, but most let's face it, a lot of things on Amazon are not that they're, they're a little, but they're often a little bit cheaper, but they're not, not everything on Amazon is, is always cheaper than everything else. No. So, uh, if you need, if you need something and it's right in front of you and, or you can wait for two day shipping to save five, $10. Well, I mean, it depends how, how bad you're going to need it. I just don't, I don't, I, I don't think, more, that, I don't think it's for when you're at the store. I think it's for when you're at home. You're at home, you see that you're running low on this, uh, you've got maybe a week left of your shampoo or whatever it is, uh, you put your phone up to it, it sees it, it says this is how much it is on Amazon, click buy, and it'll be shipped to you and at your house before you actually run out. I don't... I, I could kind of see it that way, but... Well, yeah, but I, I think, again, I think that's solving a problem most people don't have. Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you are... I mean, I'm, you and I are both big Amazon customers. Sure. If I if I need something, at the point I I recognise I need it, I do get my phone out and I type it into the Amazon app. I don't I don't see the I don't think oh I've got to go and try and find it on Amazon. I'd much rather to be able to try and identify my camera. That to me doesn't seem to be the the problem I'm going to have. Is it's trying to get people to actually think Amazon first. That's the issue, yeah. and I'm just not sure whether the whether this phone project does that. But who I think knows? It I mean, does if you specifically buy the phone because of that? I mean, yeah. if you and I weren't already uh, iPhone users, if we were just standard Android users, I think this phone would probably be kind of attractive because we're already Prime members. We use Amazon a lot, and I think yeah. in that situation, it might be at least a cursory look. I, I but my but problem to me, is the price. Yeah, well, that, that's that's it. And to me, that they, they're coming at this wrong. If they want to get traction with an Amazon phone, I would have imagined that a better strategy would be to say, "Okay, you have standard Amazon Prime. Here's Prime Plus, and with Prime Plus, we give you a phone, or you right. pay fifty dollars for a phone, and that also gives you a year of service. Uh, and, and effectively, they use that to drive adoption. Yep. Because I think I think a lot of their customers who aren't customers today are going to be people who probably don't go out and buy big tech purchases that often. And those, there's, those are sort of people who you could get into the Amazon ecosystem and probably make some real money off, particularly as you're pushing out, you know, the, the new adventures like grocery shopping and the things where it goes beyond the traditional Amazon customer base. But who knows? I mean, everyone, everyone says Jeff Bezos is a, is a genius. So maybe we're just not seeing it, it but certainly, the, certainly the presentation they gave and the all the new stuff around it and everything just didn't seem to have a coherent vision to it. So whether that they have that vision, they haven't articulated it properly, or whether, in fact, they, this is just a, a try-it-and-see-what-it-works product, I don't know. I did read that, um, I think it was someone from The Verge, maybe, got hands-on with it and said the UI is just a mess. And that that kind of worries me a little bit. Well, they've got form on that because the UI on the on the original Kindle Fire wasn't great. No, it wasn't. Uh, and I think it's better now. But um, you know, it it again those sorts of UIs. The problem is they're they're designed to do one thing. The yep. Kindle Fire UI is designed to put content in your face. That's why it's a big carousel. The difficulty with a phone is it needs to do lots and lots of different things. So if you don't know what you're doing with the UI and I think this is one of the reasons why people praise Apple often is that they have a, a very slick UI that's very good at lots of different things, whereas the Google stuff can often be a bit techy and a bit fiddly, and then you know everyone else just doesn't doesn't hit the mark at all. Yeah, or they put so much crap on there, you, it's just a hot mess. And 
Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm curious about this. I'm kind of glad that Amazon is getting into this because, as I've said before, more competition breeds innovation from the leaders. At least that's the hope. And yeah. Apple hasn't shown uh, any adversity when it comes to still innovating. They're doing that. And uh, I think it's a good thing. So I, I'd really like to play with one, though. <coughs> I don't know if my... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> If my local AT&T store will have them in at the end of the month or not, uh, I don't even go in there anymore. I just pay my bill online. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, I'm curious, though. I, I'm i not curious at all to buy one. If Amazon wanted to send me one for a review, I'd happily take one, and I would try using it for a week and see how it goes. But for me to actually go out there and spend 200 bucks or 300 bucks if I want the uh, 64 gig, I just don't see it at all. Well, again, it seems to be that Amazon's in a position to maybe do trials of these things, to actually say, you're a Prime member, so here, try this phone for two weeks. We'll send it to you. You try it. We'll, we'll pick up the tab for two weeks, and then you send it back to us if you don't like it, or otherwise you buy it. Yep. You'd imagine that that would be an approach that might work. Well, they also have their own built-in reviewers in the Vine program. Yeah. And uh, I'm a member of that, too, so... They have a lot of avenues that they can get these phones out to qualified reviewers uh, for both feedback and review purposes, and uh, they didn't they didn't do any of that. Obviously, they they weren't going to send any review units until it was released. They want the big PR, you know, take a look at it, and we're going to be in CNN and The Verge and every other website that covers technology, including Tech Fan Podcast. Yeah, and uh, they'll get their PR that way rather than. You know, some reviewer leaking the information before it becomes, you know, publicly known. So, I don't know. I'm interested in trying it. Uh, I have less interest in buying it. But maybe you and I are in the minority here, David. I don't think so. I think that we're probably right. I don't think anybody listening to this is, oh, my God, I have to get that phone. And let's be honest, the people listening to this show are pretty hardcore, geeky people. Yeah, they're, they're technology we like, fans. We like trying new things. So yeah. you don't, uh, So if anybody does feel like picking one up and giving us a review, either a, a written review or perhaps come on the show and talk about it, we'd Absolutely. be interested in that. Sure. I um, talking of trying different things. Uh, I I picked up a, a secondhand Microsoft Surface the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah, the Surface RT, the uh, ARM one. Yep. Um, I was, <laughs> I've been on the I've been on the road all week and I was bored. <laughs> and I'm sat there. At, yeah, and I'm sat there one night. And you got and you're bored. That's bad. Well, it wasn't even a credit card. I was going through classified ads, and uh-huh. I was in a different. I was a different place. I was actually looking for old Apple stuff, and I just came across somebody that was selling a, a, a Surface, the original Surface RT, with the uh, with the touch keyboard for not very much money. She said she said she'd uh, been given a laptop through work, so she just didn't use it anymore, and it seemed in pretty good condition, and it was cheap. I mean, it was cheap, cheap. Less than a uh, less than a Google Nexus Seven, so I thought, well, why not? I know that I know that I've used Windows Eight before, and I know that it works. So why not give it a try and see what it is, uh, see what it's like? So uh, I've got to say, from a hardware point of view, these are really very nice devices. Yes, they, are. they are very very tightly built. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, very solid. Um, and actually, with Windows RT, the latest version of eight point one, it's okay. You've still got you've, you, these ones come with Office. So you've still got that. You've um, got all the improvements they made to the Windows interface. Obviously, it doesn't run PC programs, but there's more stuff on the store now. It's it's actually not bad. And I think if again, if Microsoft was churning these out for much less money than they charge for them, they'd probably sell quite a few more because they're not bad devices. I think that's a a fair point because it really does compete right against the iPad in price. Oh yeah, I mean here in the UK for a Surface Two, which is the ARM version of the current ARM version, that starts at three hundred sixty pounds, which is way up in iPad territory. Yep. Much more than a, much more than an iPad Mini. Uh, okay, it's a bigger device, but the point is, is that you know people can when they're comparing price points, they look at what's available at that price point. Uh, and um, and yeah, I I don't I don't think I mean you just don't see them here. You you, nope. you see them in, in a couple of stores. You see them online. 
every now and again they'll have a bit of an ad campaign and that sort of thing. But they you just, just they're just not just don't know how to sell them. Yeah, putting, I think so. Price aside, do you think Microsoft just doesn't really know how to sell hardware? Because let's be honest, other than the Microsoft, you know, uh, Xbox, uh, which is a whole different thing, um, and keyboards and mice, Microsoft never really was a computer maker. That's not what they did. That wasn't their I th- core competencies. Yeah. I think I think one of their failings, particular failings, is they uh, the PR people they choose are very bad. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the time I saw a, a really good Microsoft ad, and um, I think couple that with a with a lack of direction for their ad companies, I think generally they spend a lot of money and don't get a lot of um, traction for it. Um, you know, coupled uh, again with the fact that these Surface products are hard to sell because they kind of trying to be all things to be all people, and and you know that that makes it difficult to to sell it well. And they have um, two competing products. They have, you know, the Pro and the RT, and they've done a piss poor job of informing the public what the difference between these two things really are. Yeah. Because they look very similar. That's right. And and you know when it comes to a difference, like Apple does with the iPad and the iPad Mini, the only difference is the size. That's yeah. not true with the Microsoft products, and I think that's a huge problem for them. They should consolidate the line and just simply have two sizes. And I think that yeah. would solve a lot of their problems. It would tighten up their messaging. It would uh, give focus to the product, which I don't think it has right now. And they would sell a lot more, especially if they got a little bit more competitive on price. Uh, it's funny, actually. When I, when, I started, when I spotted this and then I checked the classifiers to see who else was selling these sort of devices and what the prices were like... Um, there were several people who said, oh, I've got a laptop now, so I don't need this anymore. Yeah. And, and I thought, I, I, I was struck by that. I've, I've never heard of anybody saying, oh, I'm selling my iPad because I've got a laptop. No, and you know? the, the <laughs> ironic part of that is, is Microsoft is basically advertising these as a laptop replacement. So who, who are they going against at this point? Is it the iPad or is it, you know, a, a laptop user? And according to their ads, it's been both. Yeah. And that's, that's, again, mixed messaging, confusing, um, similar yeah, products that do different things. That's right, because it's not the best tablet. No. Nope. Uh, and it's certainly not as good as a laptop, that's as a right. proper laptop. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind How of, here, pay the same money and get two functions that, that we do slightly less well. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not dissing... The product itself. I've played with the no. Surface. I was actually pretty impressed with it. Uh, it, it. It doesn't fit anywhere in my life right now because I have a 15-inch MacBook Pro, so it's not going to replace yeah. that. And I've got, at this point, to be honest, an aging iPad 3, which I think I'm going to pick up the next iPad if uh, I'm working at that point. And, yeah, I, I, there's just no place for it. But yet... no. It does what it does. It does really well. Microsoft just doesn't know how to tell people that. So when we're, it sounds like we may be dissing it. We're not. We're actually for Microsoft a little bit frustrated because, let's be honest, David, this thing should be selling a lot better than it is. Yeah, it should be. And and really, we in the tablet space, we need more competition. Yeah, absolutely. There's no competition for no. the iPad right now. I don't care not what really. anybody says. You know, yeah. nothing is nothing is competing with it. I have yet to see one of the new fires out in the wild. I saw a lot of people selling the first generation of fire. I've got one. But I don't see people buying the new one. I, I don't see people using them. I've never heard anybody go, oh, did you see the new fire is out? It hasn't happened. Yeah. And Microsoft when I go to, is suffering the same yeah. problem. When I go to tech conferences, I see a lot of people with uh, Android tablets, different sizes, different shapes and all that something because that's kind of where that space is but you know are they the difference is if you see people the ipads they're doing more on them yeah so you see people typing doing email that sort of thing on them when you see people with android tablets they're either watching video or they're or they're browsing the web they're not doing anything else that's right you know there uh there was some news from apple this week as well they released a brand new entry-level 21 and a half inch iMac for 10.99 US. I I don't really understand the product to be honest, David. It's it's a 
100 bucks or 200 bucks cheaper than the low-end iMac before, but it's got half the power. It's basically an, a MacBook Air in a desktop format. In a desktop format with a big screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I saw that. As soon as I saw that, I thought, here we go with Mac Minis being discontinued. That that basically, to me, that's what, that's no, what that iMac... The, the, no, because the iMac, is, that's still twice as much... As a Mac Mini, I mean, you could get a Mac Mini for five ninety nine, six ninety nine. Yeah, but I suspect the Mac Mini is not long for this world. I, I think I, I think that's why I'm probably I th- right. Yeah, let's I mean, face Apple it. Hasn't most even people their monitors yet. Their monitors are no. still the old monitors, and yet but they have the a reason... brand new professional Mac Pro. Yeah, but the reason for that is that people don't buy desktop machines anymore. They buy laptops. It's starting to seem like it. Yeah, and I think I think this is this is uh, basically allows them to bring in a lower lower um, um, iMac, but without doing a lot of retooling because they have the cases, they have the screens, and they're already making the MacBook Air boards. Yeah, um, and it allows them to bring it in a low low price point, and then later on, if they want to kill the kill the Mac Mini, then they can do it and point people at that and say, well, that's that's your new entry level machine. Yeah, because that's a small market. I suspect that's where it's going. I have a feeling you know, probably and right. and. And the, I, I read a lot of reviews that said, "Oh, well, you know, this is too underpowered. What can you do with this?" And, I, and that that's bull, absolute bull. I have an 11-inch MacBook Air that's uh, 18 months old, and there is very little I can't do on that machine. That's the thing: the people that are buying yeah. an entry-level iMac is not doing video work, and even if they are, it could do video. It does for you. They, they do video work. Yeah, okay, the, maybe the graphics performance isn't everything it could be. Right. But in terms of processor and everything, you've got to remember those slow processors, they do all sorts of fancy tricks. They can ramp up when they need to to in nearly 3 gigahertz. Yep. I don't I don't think there's very it's much... Intel's turbo. Yeah, I, with, I with, particularly that. As, that, as that new iMac comes with, a, it comes with 8 gig of RAM. Um, I don't think there's an awful lot that... The, that 80% of the desktop market would need to do, they couldn't do with that machine. SSD as well, right? Uh, no, I, I think is it's it? uh, I think it's stand, just comes with a standard drive. Yeah, that's uh, too bad. If they would the put an up. SSD in there, or a fusion gigs of RAM, yeah, and sold it for ten ninety nine or even nine ninety nine, I think it would be a much more attractive product for me anyways. Well, yeah, because the problem, of course, is that you can't really get in there and change that drive Mm-mm. very easily. Nope. So then you then you're adding things on at, at the beginning, which kind of negates the, the price point. Absolutely. So it's it's an interesting product. I think it's underpowered for the price. I mean, spend a, a couple hundred bucks more and get a much more powerful iMac. Yeah, or spend the same amount and get a laptop. Yeah, exactly. So I yeah, it's a weird product. That's just kind of you know they released it in the wild and look, they just had a developers conference. They could have announced it there. There's a reason they didn't. And yeah. uh, I, I get uh, maybe, it, but I maybe, don't get it. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just aimed at the school's market. Where that could very well it, be. This could be their really... They're selling it to the public, but it, realistically, it's for the education market. Yeah, you know, it could be people just saying, look, we like the iMac, we want desktop machines, but we don't want to be messed around with Mac minis. Yeah. Give us something that's cheaper than your current lineup. This is what they've done, maybe. Could be. Uh, let's take a quick break here, David. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk about my new toys, more than one, and uh, some other stuff. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. It's Guy from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here to tell you about the show. I wish Gaz was here, but apparently he's too busy, so... Hey, hold on a minute. I'm right here. What are you going on about? Well, I was about to cut a promo, but you always seem busy doing other things. Okay, now you've cheesed me off, so I'm turning you into a chipmunk. <laughs> sure, like you have the power to do that. Well, what did you just do to me? Like I said, I turned you into a chipmunk. Now be quiet while I do the promo. Why do I have a sudden craving for lettuce? The MyMac.com podcast is a fun look at all the goings-on in the Mac world. We involve the listeners in a show to talk about what's important to them and interview people who do amazing things with their Macs and iOS devices. A carrot might be nice. You can contact us via Facebook, Twitter, Skype, as well as email. I have an urge to climb trees really fast. Shh! Find us in iTunes by searching under my Mac. 
you'll find us and a lot of other great shows all under the Stoplight Network. Hey, I can scratch behind my ears with my foot. If you promise to be good, I'll change you back. I don't know. I'm kind of digging the fur. The MyMac.com podcast. Done by a Brit and apparently now a chipmunk. And we're back here on Tech Fan Podcast number 167. I'm Tim Robertson. He is David Cohen. We'd love to get feedback from you guys. Please go to our website, techfanpodcast.com, and send us a message from there, and we will read your feedback right here on the show. Uh, No feedback this week to speak of, David. Um, But I did want to move on to talk about something that I was very excited about for the last, I'm going to say, six to nine months. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very keen to yeah. hear and what your experiences with this are. It's been still less than 24 hours that I've had it. But finally, 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 it was delivered yesterday. My Retron 5 from Hyperlink. Uh, the Retron 5 is uh, an all-in-one video game system. Now, let me explain what that is for those. I know David knows what it is, but um, the Retron 5 plays NES SNES, Family Con, Super Family Con, Genesis, Mega Drive, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games. One console. It retails for $129. Originally it was $99. That was the original price, but it went up in price. And it comes with a one wireless controller. It hooks to your television via HDMI. And I gotta say, it's a pretty attractive looking console. I sent uh, David some pictures of it yesterday yeah. by text. And you did a little research online would you yeah online about it well so uh there's quite a lot of i mean you talked about being excited for this yeah uh, i i'd never heard of this before but uh i realized a very large part of the retro gaming community have been waiting for this well for a i long have a time. retron 3 it's an older one and yeah. it, it never worked really well it was kind yeah. of junky plasticky it just yeah it wasn't very good it's this is actually it's quite interesting how they've solved the hardware challenges because this isn't this isn't something where you load the games as ROM images. This actually, you actually plug the physical cartridges into it. Yes, and it, which, and uh, it does rip the, the the ROM from the cartridge to its internal storage while you're playing. Ah, uh, right. I didn't realize that. It does. I didn't re- but so, if you take the so cartridge you, out while you're playing, the game stops working, and that's to prevent okay. piracy. Okay. So so all right. So so that's interesting then. So I think that's quite that's quite a good idea to to basically turn around and say, look, we are not about um, ripping these games off, I no. think that's quite respectful to the because uh, what they call what a lot of people call abandonware, which is these you know very very ancient games. They kind of a lot of people think, oh, we can do what we want with those because uh, nobody sells them anymore. Where in fact, you know that they are they are still owned by somebody, and even if they're not doing anything with them, that's their right. Absolutely. So so I, I quite I well, I'm, I'm interested to hear that. I quite quite like the sound of that. So it, yeah, it looks very cool. All these cartridge slots on it. It's very well done. It has the interfaces for all the different controllers. So you, if you actually old the, own those old systems, you can use which your original do, controllers. Which yeah. I own. Um, which is a nice touch. I was playing uh, the original Super Mario Brothers that came with the NES. I plugged it in. Now, Duck Hunt won't work because uh, that controller doesn't work with it. Yeah. Regardless, I plugged in. And it has ports for two controllers of each system. So you got two NES, two SNES, and two Genesis inputs. And I plugged in my original controller, and it worked perfectly. No problem at all. Yeah. I, I was, um, when I looked online, there's quite a few people who, who tried it out and had videos. I was amazed by how good it makes some of these old games look. What it's doing the- is, is it's upscaling. Because, look, all these old game systems connected via one RCA plug uh, back yeah. in the day. And yeah. you do that on a newer HD TV, which I have mounted on the wall. I got my old game system sitting right there. They all go through a switch box. They look pretty crummy, to be honest. Well, yeah, th- let's face it. Modern TVs are all digital. And right. those old composite signals are, are analog. And even let's face it, composite was never any good, even, <laughs> even back in no, the day. I mean, you, you could buy... I, re- I did. I actually did this. I had um, a Mega Drive, which is what the uh, Genesis was called over here. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, you plugged that into a brand new Sony TV back 
you know, bringing it home from the store, and it still looks awful. <laughs> you know that, and that was back then. I mean, the you know then. Let's face it. If you buy a modern TV today, if it has digital uh, analog inputs, the digital to analog converter in there is going to be, you know, probably about five p. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be so. So when I yeah. put my old consoles in, it doesn't look good. But at least I can still play, you know, yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog if I wanted to, or Super Mario Brothers, or whatever. This, on the other hand, actually upscales those old games. To 720p at 60 frames a second, and uh, wow, I, I got to be honest with you, it looks really, really good. It, I, mean, I, I thought from the videos I saw, it looked like some of these games had been recoded. I mean, they were. I mean, I was, I was stunned. I think I watched um, somebody play Streets of Rage and um, uh, what was the other? Oh, the other one I saw? I, I think Spider-Man Total Rampage, Total Venom. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. it was it was actually very funny because the guy who whose video I was watching was kind of like a um, he was like a rapper. Oh, the black. So guy. he was. A, yeah. I saw that video. I've seen that video. He he is very very funny. He's very animated, and, I, and he yeah. He, he I, I liked his video. He uses all the street slang. I can't understand whether it's a character or whether that is just him, but it's hilarious. It is. Yeah. But yeah, but and he was he was having a good time. But I have to say the games did look fabulous. He had the big, you know, pimped out uh flat screen TV on the wall and the games looked amazing. I when they I really played, did the first one I did, I thought, you know what, this is the first time I'm gonna turn this on and play a game. I've it's gotta be the original Super Mario Brothers. It has to be. Yeah. And I did it I used their controller. The one that came with the with the Retron Five. Yeah, <laughs> I quickly plugged in an NES controller and played it that way. Yeah, um, I mean it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good either. It was just kind of meh. So I, I turn it on. One thing I don't like about the Retron Five, you literally have to hold the power on button for five seconds. That doesn't sound okay. like a big deal, but think about this. Push the button now. One, two, <laughs> three, four, five. Oh, it powered on. What? Why? I have no idea. I don't know why it does that. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. But that being said, if you have a game installed or, you know, plugged in, you turn it on, you launch that game, it's like instant. I mean, it, it boots up so quickly. And remember, it's actually copying the game from the cartridge to the hard drive, to the flash memory, to play it from there. Yeah. And now, if you've got a game that has a battery backup so you can do saves, like the Zelda games and stuff, mm -hmm. it will actually save those as well and save it back to the cartridge. Okay, now, there cool. has been some issues, I guess, from uh, I, I've read online. There's been a few games that there's some issues. But this is upgradable. Now, it's not Wi-Fi connected. You can't plug it into your network. So you can only upgrade it by downloading uh, you know, the new ROM or the new uh, uh, operating system over your computer putting it on a uh, usb stick and then doing it that yeah. way so it's it's so, kind of a pain so inside this is this is running android and an emulator it is yeah it's not it's i that's the first question i asked you is this actually emulating in hardware these old consoles or, no. or is it software so that's you know swings and roundabouts there yes you get the advantage of upgradability and improvements and that sort of thing on the downside you know, we all know that in the emulation scene that some games just don't play the same as they ever did unless you run them on the right hardware particularly some of the one, some of the older ones that yep. that kind of did hardware hacks to try and get better performance out of the system but here's and the thing like that. there's a reason that the Retron 5 was announced so early and it took so long before it actually shipped and it wasn't a hardware issue it was all software yeah. they software. really have the the guy the people who make this really are hardcore gamers and as far as I'm concerned, this is, for the systems that it supports, obviously, the best retro machine that I've ever used. Yeah. I mean, it, it just simply works. And I like the fact that it gives you the ability to turn on uh, different filters for the video so you can get it to look more like an old CRT if you wanted to. I don't know why you would, right. but... You can if you want to. Yeah, you can put you can put the scan lines back yep. and stuff like that. But trust me, it, the default yeah. settings it looks really good. Yeah. Um, I gotta say though, David, I am very impressed with it. I really am. Now I haven't played 
uh, Game Boy Color, any of the Game Boy stuff. I haven't played any of that yet. Uh, I was never into the Game Boy. It wasn't my thing. Yeah, I, I mean, upscaling and everything is all well and good, but when you take something that was the size of a postage stamp and blow it up to, <laughs> to a well, big I've screen... I've actually seen some video of yeah. people that did it, and it, it looked really good there, too. Yeah. But I... I I just know. See, to me, there was always a trade-off. If you went with a Game Boy version of a game, it was never as good as the console version, because no. they had to scale it way back. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the the hardware in those things was ultra primitive. Right. So if you had a choice, why would you ever get? You know, unless you want portability, sure. But this this thing isn't portable. So yeah, I I might pick up a couple Game Boy games or something just to try it, just to see. But it, what, that's not a big selling point for me. To me, it was NES, Super NES, and Genesis. Those are the games that I have a lot of that I would love to play. But it's just a pain in the butt having that many systems hooked up and going through a switch box. And then at the end of the day, it just doesn't look all that good. Yeah, I mean, I know you can buy, for around about the same sort of money or a little bit more, you can buy an upscaling device that will sit in front of your TV Right. And we'll do the same as this does. Right. Um, but again, that's kind of that's a bit geekier. You've you've still got the wiring problem, um, and yeah, a lot of those devices need you need to do a lot of hardware adjustment to actually get them to work properly with the different consoles. Yep. And you know, if if you're into kind of fiddling with screwdrivers and stuff to uh, to to do that, that's fine. But most of us just want to get on, don't we? Absolutely. And I was yeah. worried about it running things in emulation, but. My fears were uh, unfounded. It, it, it just works. And at the end of the day, that's all I really care about, that it just works. Yeah. I did have one count or one cartridge. It was Miss Pac-Man for the Super NES, Super Nintendo system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just did not read this cartridge. Now, without actually hooking up my actual NES to, or SNES to check to see if there's something wrong with the cartridge, I have to assume that there's a problem with the cartridge. Because every other yeah. Super Nintendo game that I tried worked fine. What's also kind of neat, David, is it recognizes what game you just put in there. Right. So if I put in, like I put in Donkey Kong 3 for the NES, boom, it popped up, Donkey Kong 3. I hit start. Cool. It loaded yeah. it. It took literally two seconds to load the entire cartridge, and I was playing the game. It was great. Cool. So I, I'm, I must admit, I, I've, I've, yeah, I've had to think, I've had to think about this, because we... My my wife was a big Super Nintendo fan, mm-hmm. and we still have her system and all her cartridges somewhere up in the attic. Um, I I wonder actually if she might she might like one of these so she can play those games again because we can't the Super Nintendo we can't hook it up to our TV it won't work. Right. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna say yes, you can, and I'm yeah. gonna say she would actually enjoy playing it. Now these are scarce so far; they're very hard to get. Yeah. Um, and that's because it was just released. Uh, I know Newegg has them, but they're like 179 there. Hey, um, yeah. um, I want to say uh, Think Geek has them for 129 or 139. Um, so you can get. Oh, yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait until they um, hits Amazon. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll wait until they're more available and they ramp up. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose the only the only thing I'd say is that if if you're interested in this. Obviously, you know, I don't know how big Retron are, but... Uh, They're not huge. Yeah. Though these are the sort of companies that they can go out of business and um, and then they won't be available anymore. So well, it could be one of the... while. I mean, they, this isn't their first yeah. console. And I, my understanding is they're coming out with a PC-DOS machine as well. Right. And um, they said stay tuned. They're going to have something new other than that well, as well. So to I play think DOS games? Yeah, yeah. Right, well, that's see. See, DOS games are much more my wheelhouse because yeah, that's, that's say, where that, I. That's got your attention, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because I um I played a lot of DOS games. Yep. Um, so they're and, really uh, this is yeah. they're kind of becoming the retro gaming company, and I like someone well, taking up that that flag and planting it and saying this is what we're doing and we're going to do it better than anybody else. Because let's I'll be honest, there's other games companies out there that are making retro machines. Yeah, and I've looked and played with the, quite a few of them. This is the one that I was the most impressed with. <coughs> Excuse me. There's one that's uh, all kind of all black with a purple top on it, and then uh, the off white 
well, I guess, yeah, kind of a beige-ish white with the black top. That's the one I got. Cool. So, and it's the harder one to get to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but still, you know, this isn't a full review. I've got to play it a lot more than just, you know, a few hours between when I got it and recording the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing a review of this. I'll, I'll, I'll will definitely review it and post it at mymac.com, and we'll talk about it more here if warranted. Cool. Last thing I've got, David, uh, I was, uh, my dad needed uh, me to drive him yesterday. His car was getting fixed. And I thought it was at a garage, but it was at some guy's house. <laughs> okay. And they had had a garage sale last weekend. Uh-huh. And uh, they had some things left. And for $10, I picked up uh, an NES game, uh, a Super Nintendo game, actually two NES games, one Super Nintendo game, and uh, a Sega Game Gear. Wow. Now I had a Game Gear. Yeah. I love my Game Gear. I've got one. I, I, I had picked yeah, up I, maybe a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I picked up 25 games for like 10 bucks for yeah. the Sega Game Gear, but I didn't have a Game Gear. It was just like, she's got this bag full of these games. I just couldn't let them go. So the, as I recall, the Game Gear effectively was the, the, the previous generation to the Genesis in a handheld form, wasn't it? Yes. Effectively. Yeah, it was like yeah. a master system in yeah, a handheld. It was big. I mean, this... Well... This, I think by modern by modern standards, it's big. I re- I remember at the time being amazed about how small it was. Well, the screen itself is pretty small. Yeah, uh, it's it's a color screen, which was for a lot of people the big draw over the Game Boy. Yeah, it had a much smaller library, of course. It didn't sell yeah. one one hundredth of the game. Uh, yeah, it really was. Uh, I think the Game Gear was probably the first of Sega's missteps that ended ended with them exiting the hardware business. Yeah. And uh, eight batteries like it was... Uh, I, that was its biggest flaw. Yeah. I remember it, it, you could get, if you were lucky, you got about two and a half hours out of a set of mm-hmm. batteries. And that was the problem with it, because you wanted to sit there and play games with it, it all the time. Six batteries. And it, six double yeah. batteries. I mean... Yeah. And this was back in the days when you couldn't get like a set of rechargeable batteries and a charger for ten bucks. I no. mean, back then that rechargeable batteries were a big investment and they weren't that good either no, they would last about <laughs> a quarter of the time as regular alcohol that's batteries. right yeah and yeah. but the nice thing about it was that you could plug it in yeah which yeah i, I, I remember having, portability but yeah i remember having an adapter so you could plug it in in the car i remember having a couple of ac adapters for it around the house and uh, mostly playing it on on mains you know um i i Played the hell out of Sonic on there. Yeah. Yeah. Really played <coughs> a lot. There. <clears throat> yeah, I've got Sonic. That's the game I tested it on. It works. You know, it is a color screen, but it's not backlit. So if you're in a dim light, you're not going to see the screen very well. Um, it, it works though. So I got three games and in that game system for ten bucks. I think that was a pretty good deal. Oh, it's a pretty good deal. Now, interestingly, when I was looking up about the Retron Five. I did find a site that was selling something called the A3000, which effectively is a is a portable version of of a of a, a Retron. Uh, you know, the same kind of concept. It it plays games from ROM, um, has a color screen, handheld. Uh, it almost it does actually kind of look like the uh, the Game Gear, but obviously it plays different games. How much? But. Uh, I can't. It was around about the same price. It wasn't hugely expensive, but the thing is, it was from a company I never heard of. And I looked at it, and I thought, you know, could be cheap Chinese, you know. Could um, be. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a little uh, a little manufacturer out of Peoria, Illinois, that no one knows about. That's you know staff. Don't talk about very. Don't talk about Peoria on gamers. a tech podcast. <laughs> People who, people who don't know, Peoria is the place where the the mayor took offence to a Twitter account that was saying na- naughty things about him. So he called the police in on the guy, yep. and uh, has suffered the consequences ever since. Yeah, and in fact, it was uh, I believe The Verge who went and did a Freedom of Information Act and got <laughs> copies of all the email he got because of that. 
if you ever wanted a, um, you know, where people go, oh, pe- privacy and and encryption and all this stuff on the internet, people shouldn't expect it, and if they've got nothing to hide, and and um, you know, it's not what's the big deal, and Snowden's a traitor, and that. If you've ever, if you've ever wanted to see a, a classic example of abuse of power, yeah, by people in positions of authority. At, twisting and bending the laws for their own personal benefits in a tech sphere, then this is pretty much textbook example. Yeah, he, uh, it's not a good situation at all because number one, what the person was doing wasn't illegal. No. And no, especially not the U S where, where you have freedom of speech. I mean, to be honest with you, that sort of thing does happen here all the time because we have much less liberal laws about freedom of speech, but particularly on Twitter for some reason. The police are always arresting people saying stuff on Twitter. But um, in the U.S., I mean, you, you've got a constitutional guarantee of freedom of speech. Yep, especially when it comes to making a parody of an elected official. That's kind of why they did it that way. They wanted yeah. elected officials to be held accountable, and you can't have that without freedom of speech. Not really. And... Uh, yeah, what he did was definitely an abuse of power. And yeah. I, I, as far as the way people are slamming him, as long as they're not making death threats, they could say whatever they want. But some of it was, wow, pretty pretty brutal what people were emailing the guy. <laughs> and I almost feel sorry for him, but I don't. Because what he did was despicable. I, I think that uh, yeah, I, I don't really feel sorry for him. I think I think him and the other elected officials, the police chief and the other people involved, brought it on themselves. Um, and uh, I, th- I think an example it, of abuse of power. Yeah, absolutely. And and now this really suffering from the Streisand effect as well. Yeah. It? Nobody, you know, nobody had ever heard this account until this guy started doing this. Yep. So. Uh, hey, David, did you I, see? The world's largest video game collection sold for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I did, and I, I found myself wondering how much did he spent to assemble that collection. Whether More he made than a profit. seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, probably. Yeah. There was some. I, look, he sold it as one collection. If he would have broken it up, he would have actually made over probably two million dollars. But seven hundred fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money. It is. And I thought it was funny that in the descriptions that I was reading of some of the things that he sold that was part of his collection, he said it's some systems nobody has ever heard of, like the Mattel Aquarius. And I started I'm laughing. Because, of that. Well, I talked about it here on the show. It was my very first yeah. computer. And yeah. uh, I've been wanting to get another one. It's a terrible thing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's horrible. There's Tim, no reason hang on a minute. to value. Uh, you, yeah, I'm joining up dots here. So you just bought a Retron Five, yeah. yeah. You wanted a Mattel Aquarius, yeah. and this guy's just sold his the world's largest video game collection. <laughs> yeah. Did you buy it for your Retron Five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we were telling everyone it was it was a qu- uh, three quarters of a million dollars. It was it was actually five dollars. So. <laughs> yeah. You bought it at that garage sale, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's it was a it was. really really big box that's a that's a lot of money you know i was thinking if somebody was like a mac collector and they assembled every mac that was ever released and a good portion of the software would it be worth that no way no i wouldn't be worth a hundred thousand dollars i i've i was just about to say i've seen museum collections of macs including some pretty complete ones yeah um, talked about on the retro mac cast go for uh, normally between eighty and a hundred thousand dollars and those are you know that often includes kind of the the stands and right. box versions and... computers and that sort of thing not a lot of software because to be fair most of the software for the mac the early macs is available online yeah um, place like macintosh garden of archive pretty much you know most most things so um the software not so much but the hardware yeah, there's there's a pretty healthy um, market for that, and yeah, if you've got, but even if you've got something like a, a Lisa or um, an original Apple One, um, 
That's the only you know, one that's really worth a lot. The of money. Apple one, will, the Apple one, will go for a lot of money just because it's so rare. But yep. the original Lisa, even those, you if you found one that had never been opened in a box, you'd probably only get fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for it. So you have to go a long way to get up to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I don't know, but and it is the the world's largest. It's the Guinness Book of World Record holder. It wasn't, I, you know, hyperbole when he called it that. It's that's what it was deemed the the world's largest video game collection i've never understood though kind of the thought process behind putting so much time and effort into collecting something like that and then selling it well he said he sold it because of a a family health issue right that some but there was some health there was bills that came due and that's why he said it he said he sold it which you know i don't know if it was his wife or one of his kids or his parent or whatever for him to sell this, which he's obviously very proud of, so he could pay the bills for someone's medical, that's a cool thing. That's a good guy right there. Oh, he's a, he's a very good guy. It's a shame that um, he, you you know you live in a country where you have to do that. But yeah, um, that's the United States. We have a right to uh, buy and carry guns, but we don't have a right to health care. Makes sense to me. But I, anyway. I suppose you could always sell your gun collection if you needed the money. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, David, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Thanks for pulling over, turning on the air conditioning a little bit. Not too high, so we don't hear it. Uh, but not sweating to death in the car, either. Uh, you know, when you're using your MiFi, it's costing you money. So, uh, we do appreciate you coming on the show under the circumstances. and inter- Oh, tech well, fan. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And uh, obviously, uh, we will be back next week. And make sure you're listening to my other show as well. It's the OWC Radio. It's part of uh, MacSales.com, Otherworld Computing. I do that every two weeks for them. I'll have a new episode of that out next week. And I hope you guys can uh, listen to that. And in the meantime, stay tech fans. Stay tech fans.